Well, Happy New Year, everyone. That's not bad. That's fairly average, actually. Um, great to see you here. Thank you, and uh, welcome to 2020. I want to give a shout-out to all of our friends in Bowmanville, in Port Perry, and in Pickering. Uh, you know, thanks for joining us. And for those who are going to join maybe later on online, a Happy New Year to you as well. Hey, John, what do you think 2020? When you hear 2020, what do you think about? Yeah, of course, think about uh, New Year's. Let's try that again. Happy New Year, everyone. There we go. That's a little bit better. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, but not only that, uh, as I get older, what I think about is vision and uh, how I don't have 2020, and I will never have it again, actually. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, I think about it, too. I, I've, I've got glasses as well, and so, uh, yeah, I think about vision, too. And so, you know, just in the spirit of thinking about that, we thought it'd be really great to sort of stop, hit the pause button uh, today, uh, because it's this new year, it's this brand new decade that we're just entering into, and, and just talk about vision, vision across our whole church. Uh, if you've been a part of this community for a little while, if you've been with us for more than six months, you know that back in uh, July 1st, we launched our second five-year strategic plan. And so we're actually six months into that new plan now. And so it, we just thought it'd be really great for our whole church across all of our sites for us to have this almost kind of a bit of a family chat, more of an inside scoop type of thing of what's going on across our whole church, uh, how we're doing, what we're doing, uh, things that are coming up, some things that are coming in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, it's really important that we all remember that we do this twice a year minimum, that we stop here at Sanctus Church and reflect on what God has done, where we are right now, and where we're about to go. Years ago, I was uh, sitting actually here at the Ajax site. We used to host something called the Willow Creek Leadership Summit for about 10 years. And a guy named Andy Stanley, a pastor from the States, got up and he, he did this incredible talk on vision. And, and he said, there are so many capable and profound leaders in this room and many other rooms. There was like 200,000 leaders across the world listening to it. And he said, you get up and you preach an incredible vision moment. And the crowd is with you and everyone's ready to take the hill. And then he says, but what leaders forget is that vision leaks. He said, like, vision is like a big bucket. And you pour in all this vision into this bucket and then life happens. You know, kids and, and work and dance and sports and tragedy and boringness and all the other stuff. And he says, and the vision bucket gets sort of punched at the bottom with all these holes and the vision leaks out. And a leader or a group of leaders in an organization says, oh, the, the whole crowd's with us because we, we preach vision. Everyone's like, vision? I don't remember what I did two days ago, let alone six months ago. And so we take the principle really seriously. And so we stop at minimum twice a year to sort of inform the whole church where we're at because we know that vision leaks. And so we're only six months into plan two. And we're already stopping to say, where have we been, where we are, and where we're about to go. Yeah, and... It there's this great passage in the, in the book of Nehemiah, in chapter 4 of Nehemiah, that, that really is great for us. It's helpful for us as we talk about vision, and it's going to help us as we think about it, just for a few moments this morning as we launch into all things vision, because if we want to make sure that vision doesn't leak here at our church, the book of Nehemiah is actually super helpful for us in that regard, and particularly in Nehemiah 4, because uh, we can draw some things out of it that are really applicable for, for us, and so I want to do that for just a couple of minutes as we get going here today. 
Um, Nehemiah, in case you don't know the story and in case you need some background, maybe you've never read Nehemiah before and maybe you don't even know who Nehemiah is. Uh, Nehemiah is an exile in Babylon along with many other Jews. Uh, the Babylonians came in and they just decimated Israel. Uh, they took over the whole country. They exiled all of the, you know, the, the prime people, all of the smart, the young, the good-looking, the intelligent, all of that. They were all taken back to Babylon. And the city, uh, Jerusalem, which really was a symbol of, you know, of God and of the people of faith and, and everything about that. They was just completely in, ruined, and all of its walls were, were, were destroyed, and the gates were burned. And so uh, we find that Nehemiah is a cupbearer to the king, and as he is functioning as cupbearer to the king, uh, some people come back from visiting Jerusalem, from visiting Israel, and he inquires. He said, hey, how are things going back home? Well, the report is not a good one. It's, it's just a terrible uh, report. The people are in trouble, they say, and uh, people are living in disgrace because our, not only you know, have the economic situation a downturn, but, but spiritually it's a real downer because we've been obliterated here almost by the Babylonians. And so the walls of Jerusalem have been destroyed and its gates have been burned with fire. In the book of Nehemiah, it says that he's filled, Nehemiah is filled with grief and he's filled with this holy discontent. And he prays and he fasts and he asks God to let him return home because God places in his mind and in his heart a, a real burden and a vision to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the city walls and to restore this faithful city uh, for the people to live in, but also as a symbol that God is still on the throne. Well, he prays and he fasts, and, and wonderful news, the king grants him permission, but not only does the king grant him permission to go back and do that, but he also gives him uh, provisions in order to carry out the actual work. Now, not everyone is happy about this decision and this vision that Nehemiah has to go back and to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And specifically, there's a man called Sanballat, and he is a very powerful, powerful man, a man of great means, and he sets out to run interference and to derail the project that Nehemiah has in his heart and this vision that he has to rebuild the walls. And the rebuilding of the walls, we know as we study the book of Nehemiah, only took them 52 days actually to complete the work. But halfway through, the people's vision began to leak because of the opposition they were facing and because they had become discouraged as the people of God. And this very brief passage in Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 6 through 12, is super helpful for us as John and I talk about vision today, and particularly if we want to make sure we don't fall victim to vision leaking here in our own church. So in Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 6, it says this, So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half of its height, for the people worked at it with all of their hearts. Halfway through the project, at the halfway point of the project, everything is going well. Like this is a leader's dream come true. The people are working at it with all of their heart. They're all of one mind and one heart, and they're doing everything that they can. And the leadership is super excited about the progress that they've made. But then Sanballat and his friends turn up, and they begin to apply pressure and opposition to what's going on. And the people working on the wall start to become discouraged and they actually want to give up halfway through the project. And so as we look at verses 6 through 12, we see that there are three sources of discouragement that they fall victim to. And these are the same three things that can cause vision to leak here at Sanctus Church. If we're not careful, and if we fall victim to them. So let's look at them so that you and I can actually be on our guard 
as we have this talk today, as we uh, talk about vision together as a whole family, the first source of discouragement is this, fatigue. Fatigue. We see this in Nehemiah chapter 4 in the first part of verse 10. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out. What they're really talking about here is the people started off really well and through the first half of the project, they're going at it with all their might and they're energized and everything is going really well. But then when the opposition comes and they get discouraged, they begin to experience fatigue. And I think we're seeing a little bit of fatigue around our own church here at Sanctus. I think if we're going to be just really honest today and very open to talk about this in an insider's kind of way, I think we're seeing some f- fatigue here at our church. I think we're seeing fatigue in our staff. I mean, as you're going to hear in a couple of minutes, we've done an awful lot in six months. I mean, we're so grateful and we're so thankful and so many things are going well, but we're beginning to see fatigue in our staff. I think we're also beginning to see fatigue in uh, many of our volunteers We're beginning to see it because there are signs and symbols of it all around us. You know, people saying they're going to volunteer and then not not showing up and not volunteering. People calling in maybe last minute and saying, hey, I know I was scheduled to serve, but I I, I can't make it. I I just can't make it. And we're not angry with you. We love you. But it's fatigue. We're seeing fatigue showing up, I think, all around our church. The second source of discouragement I see in the scripture here is frustration. The second half of verse 10. And there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. This is what the people are saying. Which is really kind of ironic, right? Because it's not true. (laughs) Like from the day one, there was tons of rubble. But they're halfway through the project. So presumably there's less rubble because they're actually making progress. And yet this is what happens when we get fatigued. We actually start to exaggerate a little bit. And then frustration begins to enter in. From all of the research that we have done and all of the people that we've talked to about being a multi-site church, all of them say one thing. Everybody can agree on something, and that's this. That when you launch fourth site, everything begins to break down. (laughs) So, hey, Pickering, we love you dearly. We love you. You're not the cause of our problems. It's just you happen to be the last kid (laughs) so far. So, uh, (laughs) you're just the youngest. And so, uh, this is what happens, though, right? We know from all of the multi-site research that, that all of our systems begin to get tested when you get to four sites because the normal way of doing things just doesn't work anymore. And so we're finding that here at Sanctus. All of our systems are getting tested. And in the testing and sometimes the failing of our systems, people can get frustrated. And so we're experiencing a little bit about, of that across our whole community, and we're working on it together. Well, the third... Uh, source of discouragement that I see in verses 11 through 12 is fear. It says there also our enemies said, before they know it or they even see us, we will be right there among them and we'll kill them and put an end to their work. And then the Jews who lived near them came and told us 10 times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. I love it when scripture throws in like exaggeration to make the point, right? They're, they're everywhere. The enemies are everywhere. It's not true. They're not behind every bush. But sometimes when we get, you know, fatigued and sometimes when we get frustrated, fear can set in and it, and it seems like there are enemies all around us and everywhere we're turning. Now, we have faced opposition as a church. We have faced opposition from the world, the flesh, and the devil. And the scripture tells us that that's where our struggle is. And so, you know, we have had all kinds of bumps that we've hit. 
uh, in this first six months, and those are because of the systems that we interface with. Nothing to do with our church, but all of the outside systems that we interface with. There have been bumps, and we've hit roadblocks as we've uh, done the first six months of, of Plan 2. And then, of course, I just mentioned, like, in the flesh, you know, in our own humanness, we get fearful, we get tired, we get frustrated, and, and so, you know, we've, we've, we've run into some roadblocks because of that. But then also, we need to remember that the Scripture tells us that we don't battle against flesh and blood only, but we, fly, we, we battle against the, the enemy, against Satan and all of his demonic forces, and we have certainly experienced our fair share of that in the first six months. So I, I want to encourage you. <clears throat> we have this grand vision. God has given us a great vision. And we need to rally and continue to rally around that. And that's why we do this. You see, we build what we believe. We build what we believe. I love that Pastor Rick Warren says that <clears throat> halfway through a project, we need to kind of refocus and we need to recast our vision and be reminded of why we're doing what we're doing because vision does leak. And again, just to remind us, that's why we take at least two times a year to get serious about dealing with vision leakage and making sure we're all on the same page. So let me just take a quick moment and let me outline all that's been done in the last six months. You referred to some of it in the video, but let me do it again. Number one, it seems like five years ago for some of us, but we launched Plan 2 just six months ago where we outlined in very key ways how we're going to try to grow from where we are to where we're going and it's a very significant plan. We also changed our name. That seems forever ago, but that was a massive decision with financial decisions and organizational realities. And again, we did it. Many of you were here under God's guidance. Even God gave us the name. And this is a key pivotal thing. This will allow us to move forward under a new banner, no confusion. It's sort of a pillar for the church in the next five years. And then people have been praying and fasting actually for over two and a half years in Port Perry for a permanent facility, and we got a permanent facility, so we now have two. Let's, yeah, we should clap about that. It's huge. And so we had to do all the retrofit, and it came in an unexpected time for us. And so that was a huge deal. And then, oh, right, you talked about our next kid. Pickering was born, which was amazing. And, and just so we get context, out of the thousands of churches in Canada, there are only between eight and ten churches across our whole country that have four sites or more. And so now we're entering into this place that most churches cannot go or are not willing to go. Uh, more than that, we've had 32 people baptized in the last six months, which is incredible which is amazing. Uh, more than that, we have had 68 people go through restoration prayer just in the last six months, and 17 of them were pastors from other churches, which means they're now being freed to set their congregations free. No, clap louder about that. That's very significant. <laughs> That's really big deal. And during that process, I just found this out last night, 89 more people have signed up to go through restoration prayer while those other people were being set free. And in the middle of that, we had the great privilege of training 200 pastors and lay leaders from 30 churches, all the way from Ottawa, all the way across the GTA in restoration prayer. And we just did that a few weeks ago. We've had 58 people go through freedom sessions. And you might not even know this also, but for our worship community, just a shout out to them, our worship teams and our, the albums we produced, we've just been nominated for five GMA Covenant Awards in Canada. Again, which is amazing. 
So just really profound things. And then, of course, we talked to you about how Alpha is the main way we do evangelism together as a whole church. And we launched with all these churches across the country in September. We had 130 people come check out Alpha. We had 86 people sort of go through Alpha formally. And we saw multiple people become Christians, and they were baptized just a few weeks ago. But we thought it would be important at this moment to stop and for you as a whole community to hear at least three stories of how God has used Alpha to change people's lives. And it's so important you hear this. We've been running Alpha since 2000 here. And hundreds of people in this church became Christians through the tool called Alpha. And so you're going to hear three stories. Two of them now are staff members in our church. And, and one is not. Maybe, the, I don't know, maybe this is how we recruit <laughs> staff. I, I'm not sure. But what's amazing about these three stories are the three very different stories. One of them takes place actually outside of our church. But you're going to hear the power and the testimony of Alpha. So let's invite three of our friends out on the stage. Just give them a big hand together. Well, so glad to have uh, our friends here. And uh, so first of all, this is Lindsay Gentles. And Lindsay is part of our Bowmanville community. So shout out to all the people at Bowmanville, all her friends. And she's not serving. Lindsay is also a staff member here. She's been the accountant here for uh, more than 10 years. Um, and so has kind of fulfilled that role. And, and it's been exciting to have her on staff. So Lindsay, tell us a little bit about, you know, what was your life like uh, before you met Christ? Well, I come from a pretty normal family. Um, we weren't very religious, but we did church once in a while at Christmas. Um, kind of grew up with the belief that as long as your good deeds outweigh your bad, you're kind of in a good spot. And so then uh, somewhere along this journey, uh, even while as a staff member here, uh, Alpha, how, how did that all come about? Uh, I've been here for about 10 years when I went on a staff retreat and there was a really powerful moment of worship where I had my very first encounter with Jesus. And over the next six months, that moment was always really fresh in the back of my mind. But in front of me, we were uh, about to launch Global Alpha that fall. And I realized as we got closer and closer to the start date that I told so many people I would be attending that I kind of got stuck between a rock and a hard place, and I had to go. Yeah, you, you always have to be careful what you promise people, right? Because then you have to follow through on it. Well, we're really glad that you did go. And so when you went to Alpha, was there any, any like standout moment or time for you? Yeah, actually, there really was. It was during the fourth week um, when we talked about why Jesus died. And we were prompted during that um, video to go home that night and forgive anyone who'd wronged us or apologize to those who we've wronged. And so that night I did. I, as I was going to sleep, I forgave the three people that had really wronged me in my life. So I felt, and I thought, why not just throw it up to Jesus and see if there's anyone that I've missed? And uh, it's a night I'll never forget because so many names and faces came to me that I just didn't even know these people had had such an impact in my life. And the next morning I woke up so free and so at ease and just so alive that that moment in my kitchen I gave my life to Christ. Yeah, it's so awesome. It's so great. And for us as a staff, it was so encouraging because we'd hung out with Lindsay and everyone loved her and he's just such an awesome person. But then, you know, just your openness when you came to faith in Christ and you shared it. I remember you sharing it with all of us as staff saying, I've, like, I've met Jesus. And we all saw this profound change in you. It was so exciting. So what are some of the changes that have transpired since then, Lindsay? Uh, well, there's almost too many to count. But um, the thing that I've taken away from it is that I've been given this incredible testimony and uh, transformation in my life that I can share that with all of my family and friends and I use it to invite them to church on a continual basis and hope that they'll also be able to experience that. 
Well, thank you so much, Lindsay. It's so great. Let's, again, appreciate Lindsay. Thank you so much. So, everyone, this is Tony, and uh, Tony is also one of our staff members, just came on board with us a couple of years ago in our facilities area. And so, Tony, what was uh, your life like before you came to know Jesus? Well, I grew up as a staunch Catholic. Uh, our family was very strict. We went to church every single day, not just Sundays. And we followed all of the rules and the rituals and traditions that came from the Vatican and from the Pope. Uh, but for me, something was always missing. Uh, I never really knew God or Jesus or the Holy Spirit. But in my house, it was, you live under this roof, you follow these rules, and you got to go to church every Sunday. Um, so when I moved out on my own, I decided I don't want anything to do with, with church or religion or God. I thought that God was the same God in all of our churches. And so I just uh, lived in the world for a time period and did worldly things until I realized this is pretty hollow. There's got to be more to life than this. Uh, and that's when I started to investigate and see is there more to life than this? Is there eternal life? What about this God thing? And so that's when I started church shopping, and I'd go to a different uh, Protestant church every week, week after week. Yeah, Church shopping is great. Just you pick the ones you like, right? It's great. Yeah, awesome. And then somewhere along the lines, you like got introduced to Alpha. How did that happen? Yeah, so I found uh, one church that was really warm and welcoming that I kept going back to, and that was just here in Pickering, St. Paul's on the Hill Anglican. And uh, for 25 years, I had these questions brewing uh, because I'd heard snippets from the Bible at the Catholic Church, but they never really talked about the deep issues. And so my friends at the Anglican Church just said, we have this course that we're offering. It's called Alpha. It's big in the UK, but it's relatively new in Canada. It was just making inroads. And so they invited me to that. And so uh, when you went to Alpha, um, was there anything, one particular thing or any sort of key moments for you? Well, I got all my questions answered and my theology straightened out, which was good. It was a safe, comfortable environment uh, with like-minded people. We were all kind of searching for the same kind of answers, so it was great. And uh, first time I got to experience fellowship and a small group, and I got to experience the Holy Spirit on one of the weekends, so it was great. Um, the, the course was very professional and fun and enjoyable. It wasn't dry or boring, and I enjoyed it so much that when I finished, I helped lead the next several Alpha courses as well. And so you met Jesus uh, at that church, and that's great. We're so excited about that. So what difference uh, has that made in your life? Yeah, I don't want to stand up here and lie and say, since I met Jesus, everything's been perfect. It's, it's been up and down. Uh, uh, but Jesus promises to be with us through all those times. Uh, for example, once my family found out I was following Jesus outside of the Catholic Church, they disowned me for 15 years. Uh, no contact whatsoever. And so that was hard, but the Lord helped me through that. Um, another area where my life's changed in knowing Jesus is once I found out why he came, you know, to save us from our sins so that we could have eternal life with the Father, I just wanted to share that with everybody. And so I went on a whole bunch of short-term mission trips all over the world, about 15 of them, just sharing with anyone I could encounter how great this love of Jesus was. And the final way that uh, my life's changed since coming to know Jesus is I, I used, I'm in my 40s now. I used to work for a Fortune 500 company for about 15 or 20 years, climb the corporate ladder. I was traveling all over the world on business for them, uh, but I was also working 60, 70, 80 hours a week, and uh, there just wasn't enough time uh, to spend with the Lord in prayer and in worship and in scripture, and so I found my spiritual life was suffering, and one day the Holy Spirit said to me, at this rate, you're going to gain the whole world, but you're going to lose your soul, and so I just slowed down and stopped for eight months and just prayed, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do with this information you've given me, and then at the end of the eight months, he just said, I want you to, I want you to leave it. I want you to leave everything behind. Can you give up everything that you've secured for your future and just trust in me to provide? And so I walked away from that, 
and, and my friends all thought I was crazy. And, um, and then I spent a year just every day with the Lord waiting for direction and waiting for him to show me what he wanted. And I'll fast forward. And I've been on staff at Sanctus for several years now and really just uh, serving the Lord and his kingdom work here in Ajax and Bowmanville and Port Perry and in, now in Pickering. And it's been great. Thank you so much, Tony. It's so great. So exciting. And everyone, this is Carrie, and Carrie is uh, also a part of our Bowmanville community and just recently went through Alpha just this last time. So, Carrie, tell us a little bit about yourself and about, uh, you know, what your life was like before you met Jesus. Um, before I met Jesus, growing up, I really didn't go to church, um, wasn't really from a religious family, um, but I was invited to come to Sanctus about four years ago. My husband, when we were dating, invited me to come, and I really enjoyed it from the get-go, but I had a lot of questions surrounding faith. And so somewhere in this relatively short journey, you heard about Alpha. How did that happen uh, for you? So I had heard about Alpha over the past four years that I had been attending, but I didn't know if it was necessarily applicable to me and my journey because I thought, well, I'm already going to church. Um, but I had so many questions, and it was this past fall when we watched the, the launch video, the first video of the Alpha series, where I was immediately just captivated by it and engaged, and I knew that I needed to go to Alpha. So you attended the, the recent Alpha at Bowmanville. Um, was there a moment or was there anything specific uh, during the course of Alpha that really stands out to you? Um, the whole thing was great. I was nervous the first evening to go in there, but immediately I felt welcomed. And it was just a great environment. Um, our pastor, Nathan, and his wife, Hillary, made us all feel so welcome. And all of our questions... Um, were welcome and nothing was a bad question to ask, but a particular experience I had was during the Holy Spirit weekend here at the Ajax site, I asked, um, during worship, I asked to receive the Holy Spirit into my life, and I can't really put it into words, but I did experience something um, kind of wash over me, and I could just feel his presence. And so you met Jesus at Alpha, and, uh, you know, we celebrate that with you, and we're so excited about that. So uh, how has that changed you know, in the last, what, few months? <laughs> How has it revolutionized your life in, in two months? <laughs> well, um, like Tony was saying, it doesn't, you can't say that it's all going to be rainbows and, and sunshine. I've actually gone through a couple of challenging moments in my life so far. Um, but I know that I can always rely on God and his love for all of us and just his grace and his patience with all of us. And I feel um, just a sense of peace and comfort in my life where I'm at. So why don't we just thank our friends for sharing with us. Thanks for the courage to do this, guys, and thank you so much uh, for taking the time to share with us this morning that the difference that, uh, that Alpha has made. Now, this leads us to what's happening next with Alpha in our community, and this is really critical. We are relaunching Alpha at every single one of our locations right after Easter, and also we're really excited to announce today we will be also launching Alpha in high schools led by students and for students, which is really amazing. And so right now, uh, first week back in January, here's the question that Dave and I want to ask you. Who are you going to start praying for this week? that you're gonna to prepare to invite to Alpha. And remember, hundreds of us invited Alpha. Only 86, 86 people went through it, even though hundreds were invited. This is like farming. This takes a lot of work, a lot of relationships. So right now, we're encouraging you, stop, write down that name, pray, get ready to invite them to Easter, and then uh, to Alpha, because it's really exciting what God's gonna keep doing uh, through that. 
Yeah, and one of the other things that we want to talk about today is our discipleship dimensions. If you've been at our church for more than just a few months, uh, you will hear us continually talking about these five discipleship dimensions. Uh, we celebrate big, we connect small, we walk with Jesus, we share the work, and we engage in mission. And for us here at Sanctus Church, that's how we define discipleship. We believe that if you're involved in each one of those dimensions, if you're growing in each one of those areas, that you will be becoming more and more like Jesus. And so uh, what we ask you to do twice a year, or sorry, every year, we've done it twice now, in September we say pull out these cards and we provide them and rate yourself in these five dimensions from zero, meaning I'm, I'm not doing it at all, up to five where you're like, I'm excelling in this, I'm an example for our whole church in this. And so just rate yourselves. And uh, so what we found is across the board, in four of them we're seeing actual growth happen and the, re the reports that you are giving us back are, are that we're growing. Uh, one particular Sunday morning that we did this this past September, 65% of all of the adults present at all of our services and all of our sites handed in a card, which is a huge response rate. And so we want to thank you for that, and we want to encourage you when this next September comes around and we do it again, that you participate. It's good for you, and it's good for us as a whole church. But here's what we found. Here's the feedback. Here's what you're telling us. The, the, the discipleship dimension that we're doing the best at where we score ourselves the highest across the board is celebrate big. It was the first time we did it, and it is this time. <clears throat> and we're actually seeing growth in that area. We're seeing movement in that area. And so obviously what we're doing around uh, Sundays uh, is really uh, resonating with people, and people think that it's a good thing. Uh, the next one is walk with Jesus, and we saw a little bit of growth there too. Connect small, we are seeing a, a small bit of growth there. And then when we get into share the work and engage in mission, those are the last two, share the work and engage in mission. Now, when we took the, the, the survey, right after that, Pastor John preached a whole series on share the work, and so we're expecting that that's going to actually go up, and the next time around, we're expecting that. But for the second year in a row, engage in mission is the one that's lowest. And so this is just information for us, and we're sharing it with you so that you'll know, because you have your own, and you know where you stood, but now you know where other people are standing. And and it's something that we can use as information as we plan for the future. Yeah. And so we just need to remember again, like you said, this is our self-evaluation of where we are as a community. Yeah. And so when we think about engaging mission now as leaders and as pastors and elders, we're going to have to ask the question, how do we help all of us do better in this one area? Well, there's more we want to announce today that we're really excited about. Uh, you mentioned it in the video. Uh, we are excited to announce that we're going to start running something called the Marriage Course. The same people that brought us Alpha also have been running this thing called the Marriage Course for decades, and yet most of us don't know about it. And so let's just take a moment and watch this video, which will summarize what we're going to speak about now. Next. Marriage involves two people. They meet. You found me really attractive really quickly. <laughs> they fall in love. She's passionate. <laughs> they get married and embark on a relationship that's designed to be one of increasing intimacy. I really couldn't see my life without her. But that's not automatic. We have to keep working at our marriage. Because I wasn't getting much affirmation, I started getting that from other places. That marriage was nearly over. If you start building good habits in your relationship, you'll be reaping the effects of those choices in 5, 10, or 20 years' time. I can't let my past define my future. We have to build our own reality. The aim of the marriage course is to strengthen the connection between you as a couple. Love roses. This is not a silly sentimental idea. This is science fact. 
How about one that we don't really hear about? How about this one? Fun. Marriage ought to be fun. If you're not having fun, what's the point? The marriage course is built on universal principles that are relevant to any couple anywhere. In years to come, you'll look back on having built a marriage as perhaps the most important achievement of all in your lives. So starting next week, we're starting a three-part series on marriage. Uh, Pastor Dave's going to start it off. Pastor Ange is going to end it. And then in the middle, we are going to do a whole Sunday on the marriage course. And we're really excited that you just saw them. Nikki and Scylla, who are the authors of the marriage course, are actually going to be here, right here on this stage. And they are launching the new version of the marriage course across North America here at Sanctus Church, which is really exciting. And we're really uh, glad they're coming. And by the way, we're also going to spend some time asking them because they were there also when Nikki Gumbel himself became a Christian. And so we're going to hear that whole backstory. And so we're really excited uh, to, to launch this, to strengthen marriages. And so as you leave today, all of us are going to be getting one of these cards. And it's going to tell you a little bit more about the marriage course. And, and we just want to say this. This is not only a great thing if you are married. And, and, you, and it's important we say this. Your marriage does not need to be in trouble to go to this. Uh, it's for anyone who's married. But not only that, the other thing is this, as we've interviewed churches around the world, this has become one of the best ways people come to church. People invite them to the marriage course. The marriage course impacts their marriage. And then they say, well, why do you keep talking about God at the center of your marriage? And then you go, well, let me introduce them to you. There's this thing called the Alpha Course. And then they take the Alpha Course. And so we're doing the marriage course, then Easter, then Alpha intentionally. So there's all these bridges into the church. And so we want to make sure that you yourself are open to this. And also you're being really intentional about invitation. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's exceptional. One of the other things that we want everyone to know about uh, that is a major part of plan two for us is our site expansion. L let me remind everyone of why we are a multi-site church and what that means for all of us. Uh, God has been doing some unique things here at Sanctus Church. Uh, there, it's not normal across the whole country. And I think, you know, specifically back in 2010, God began to move in a real significant way, which is 10 years ago now, John. Think about that. But God has been slowly moving and steadily moving in many ways. And so we, we believe that we have something to share. We have something to tell. We can uh, learn from others and we can share with others. But that would be enough for us to actually do multi-site and to expand more. But when you add to that something that just absolutely wrecks us as church leaders is this, that there, that there is a, a steady decline of faith across our whole country and that thousands of churches are slated to close all across Canada. Yeah, 10, we are not good with that. It's 10,000 actually. Yeah. 10,000 churches are slated to close. So, so we believe that we need to go to other neighborhoods. We need to take what God is doing across our whole church and we need to take it so that other people can hear that good news and can begin to experience what many of us just take for granted. And so we don't go to new locations so that it's more convenient for people at Sanctus Church to have a church in their neighborhood. We go to other locations so that your friends who won't drive 40 minutes have a place that they can go and experience God. So, John, tell, tell us uh, as a community about where we're thinking next. Yeah, so uh, Pickering has just launched, and we always take time. We talk about this all the time, prompting and planning. We always listen, and if the Holy Spirit speaks, that becomes what we do next. If he doesn't speak, we use common sense and wisdom to move forward. And so we took a significant time of prayer. We've had a lot of conversation, a little debate, all of it together. And we are, again, excited to announce, as we did over the Christmas break during the vision uh, moment that our next site will be downtown uh, Toronto in the core of Toronto. Yes, so clap. 
and then pray. <laughs> uh, and so we're really, we are excited about this. And in two weeks, the senior leadership team is going away. One of the major things we'll be talking about is how we prepare to move our church from four sites to five sites. And, and this is important we catch this. Um, talk about Vision Leak. This is one of these moments. We're one of the few churches in the country. This is not a statement of pride. This is a statement of fact. We're one of the few churches in the country trying to launch sites in semi-rural, suburban, and urban centers all at once and remain as one church, which is incredibly difficult. And so this is sort of the next phase of what we're doing. We're really excited. Don't forget, there'll be two sites in Toronto, one in the North York area, but this one's going to be uh, in the core. And why don't you just again remind us how much work it takes to have that baby. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of work to launch a site, that's for sure. I mean, you know, there are so many uh, things now that we know and, and are leaning towards going downtown Toronto, we need to dispatch some people who are going to go work on what are the options that are available in terms of meeting spaces. Uh, are we able to partner with someone in a church, in an older church, in a newer church? Uh, do we need to go into banquet facilities? Do we need to go into a schools like we've done? There are all of these different implications, and we have to go and sort of spy out the land and see what's available. And then once we do that, depending on the actual facility itself, then that really determines the kind of gear that we need, the equipment that we need, because uh, depending on the facility, the needs can change drastically. And then we always have a site pastor in place six months, at least six months before we launch. So we'll be looking for a new site pastor um, among you and outside. And so... Uh, so, you know, be ready for that and be praying and leaning into that. And then uh, that site pastor, along with uh, other volunteers here, we need to raise up an army of volunteers. You know, when we launched Pickering just a few months ago, uh, we launched it with 130 volunteers. That's how many volunteers you need just to launch a site. That's not people attending. That's just volunteers. They all have jobs to do. And so uh, when we launch downtown Toronto, it's got, not going to be any different. So we need a site pastor, and we need 130, at least 130 committed volunteers. Uh, so the earliest, really, that we're looking at, uh, given our finances and giving all of these, is probably the earliest will be sometime in early 2021 that we will actually be, be doing that launch. And so that's really the horizon that we're planning around. So it's hard to believe that this is only six months into plan two and all of that has already taken place. And so as we wrap up this morning, I just want to remind all of us of our God-given vision. Every mission, by the way, of every church around the world that loves Jesus and the Father and the Spirit and Scripture is the same. They use different language, but it, it's basically the same. But visions are different. And, and our vision here is to become a regional church of 10,000, meeting the emotional, physical, and spiritual needs of people in Jesus' name. And we didn't wake up one day, maybe if you're new to our church, you don't know the story. We didn't wake up one day and say, bigger churches are better, or let's just be stupidly audacious for no reason, and let's say 10,000. There was a whole series of years of prayer and discerning, and, and this is from the Lord. This is our God-given assignment, and it's, and it's a drop in the bucket, actually, to what's happening across the country in the decline. But we're going to do our part. It was William Carey, the great missionary to India, that said, expect great things for God and, and do exceptional things for God. And listen, we're not going to succeed at everything we're planning on doing. We will make mistakes. But no one is going to accuse this church of not trusting God for great things or trying to do great things for God. We are committed uh, to doing this in this post-Christian moment. So if you could pull out your phones, please. Some of you have been on it this whole time. I'm watching you, Pickering. I'm watching you, Bowmanville. Could you pull them out? No, for real, could you do that? Unless you'd like to write on a piece of paper. Uh, you're a little bit more old school that way. However you write down notes, could you do that? 
We just would like to take one quick minute, and I'd like you to write down a few prayer requests. We would like you to pray in the next 24 hours. So here's the first thing. God asked us to change our name and gave us the name Sanctus for a reason. God is holy, and we are called to be holy people. And we all struggle with that. We all messed up. That's why his mercies are new every morning. But could you pray that our church would be more holy this year than it was last year? Could you actually pray that we would be more holy with our money, with our relationships, with our sexuality, with everything that makes us up? Here's the second thing. When's the last time you prayed about 10,000? Uh, when is the last time you said, God, you've assigned 10,000 to this church, and I'm praying that you'd give those people to us? Some of you are like, well, I still don't believe it. Well, fine. Pray it anyway. Here's the third thing. Uh, pray about our finances. Our, our, our giving, by the way, is basically on track from last year, which is good. But what, what God is asking us to do and the amount of things we're doing, we just need more, pure and simple. And so we need to ask God to provide miraculously finances through us being faithful and through any other means. And we'll let that be in God's hand. Here's the next thing we want you to write down. Evangelism, right? Engage in mission. Who are you going to start praying for today that you're going to invite to Alpha and to Easter and begin to engage the Jesus conversation with them? Or the marriage course. That's another way of doing it. And here's the last thing. We obviously need to pray over all of our sites, but we need to begin to pray for Site 5, that God would give us a location, the right staff, and the right volunteers to make a difference in the core among all sorts of other churches that are trying the same. So if you could pray those things in the next uh, 24 hours, that would be amazing. And actually, at all sites right now, even if you're online watching, could you stand with us right now and let's take a moment to dedicate this year and this decade, actually, to God. So thanks, Lord, for this incredible six months. Thank you that we get to celebrate a lot. A lot of churches aren't, and we don't relish that. We're just incredibly thankful that you are being so kind to us. And at this moment, we just want to dedicate this coming ministry year to you, God. We dedicate all that Sanctus Church is. Father, it's yours. Son, it's yours. Holy Spirit, it's yours. All glory, all honor, all praise, it's given back to you. We own nothing. And here's our prayer. God, would this church be more holy? God, would you assign 10,000 people to this church? God, would you lead this church step by step? God, would engage in mission? Would evangelism and giving exponentially grow among us? And we really do pray, uh, God, for Site 5. Right now, Lord, we thank you that there are so many church plants and churches working in the core to bring actually the gospel back to the city that used to be called the city of churches. And so now we pray in faith right now for the building, the staff, the volunteers, and we pray for so many people who don't know you in the core of Toronto that partially through our church, they will meet Jesus Christ and they will be saved and they will be baptized and the gospel will spread. And as we always pray in this church, as you touch Toronto, Jesus, you touch the world because the whole world's in Toronto. So we dedicate not only this year, we dedicate this decade to you and we pray that your will God the Father's will, given through Jesus by the Spirit, would pour out over the next 10 years in this church and you'd fulfill everything you've assigned us to do. We pray for the fullness of God's will in this church. And we all pray this in Jesus' name and said together, amen. Let's thank God for this amazing last six months.